Welcome to the Fried Hartman Leadership Podcast from the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership, the podcast dedicated to developing and encouraging spiritual leaders for the kingdom. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 8 of the FHU Leadership Podcast, and I'm excited to have with me today Dr. Matt Vega. He is the Dean of the College of Business here at Fried Hartman University. Dr. Vega, welcome. Well, um, we're, we're glad to have you on because you have several uh, resources that I think could be a benefic- benefit to our audience and your experience that you bring. And so why don't you begin by just t- kind of telling your background and uh, the experience you bring uh, to the position you hold now. I've been at Free Hardeman since uh, 2016, and um, I've really enjoyed this new role as the Dean of the College of Business. Um, it's given me an opportunity to work with our faculty to try to better integrate our faith into the College of Business. We offer the same basic business degrees that most universities with the College of Business have, you know, the accounting, the marketing, the management. We have a few unique ones, um, but, but what sets us apart, of course, is our Christian faculty and the fact that our, so many of our students are mission-minded. And I felt like there was an opportunity there to make sure our curriculum and our, uh, out, our student learning outcomes were all reflecting that. So that's what we're working on in my first year. Great. So, you know, President Shannon often emphasizes that if you can do uh, what we do in the classroom uh, in a secular university, then we're not doing what w- our mission is, that we want to bring a unique Christian perspective uh, to our teaching. And so... Uh, with that being in mind, how have you used your Christian perspective in the workplace uh, in, pa- in the past time? Yeah, so before I was in Christian education, I, was, I worked for three Fortune 500 companies. And nothing that you know, unique about being a lawyer or working in-house with, mm-hmm. a, with a large company. The last company I worked for was FedEx. Uh, but wherever I lived, working wherever the corporate headquarters was, we would move our family there. And wherever we were, we tried to get really involved in the local church. Mm -hmm. And I had a couple of elders that I interacted with that would come to me and say, you know, from a legal perspective, can you help us? And I had one one elder in particular that really encouraged me to try to not just help the local congregation, but help other churches Mm -hmm. um, think through different legal issues. And so... So at the same time that my secular career was taking off, me using those, res- those skills that I had learned in law school to help churches um, was also something that was being encouraged and developed by the spiritual leaders in my life. And I ended up speaking and polishing the pulpit every year for, I don't know, 20, 20-something years. And generally speaking, my sessions are talking about whatever I think the top legal issues are mm-hmm. facing the church. And so um, that that then results in, in churches asking me to come and help them di- deal with different issues. And I've really enjoyed, that's given me a lot of satisfaction, mm-hmm. maybe so much so that I felt compelled to, to get into Christian education. And the first place I went was Faulkner and to help them get an ABA accredited law school. Because in my mind, if I could train other lawyers to do the mm-hmm. same thing, it would be a real blessing to so, so this, this perspective that you're bringing is what we try to emphasize here at Fried Harmon is trying to get students, no matter their profession, 
to use their faith in that profession. Um, and so how are you trying to bring that into the business curriculum? And then as we think about that, we're obviously talking to, to men and women out there who listen to the podcast who are going to work each day. And so I'm kind of there's this dual message. What are you doing in the business department to teach these young people? But then how can the, the listeners out there who are already out there in the profession, how can they use their faith in the workplace? Yeah, great question. So I guess I'd start with um, the fact that I teach every single College of Business student. I have two classes that are mandatory for every College of Business student. So I get to meet every one of them twice. Mm-hmm. And it's in the last year or two of their, their years here. And so they're mature enough to think about these big picture ideas. And one class is about the law and the other class is about ethics. And especially in the ethics class, I, I, I you know, about 80% of our students are members of the church. They've been, many of them have been raised in the church. And so they're very familiar with the Bible and the basic principles. And so it's not like I gotta teach them a lot of those rules, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you integrate those into your secular work, into your workplace outside of, of you know, Sunday and Wednesday, mm-hmm. right? And so that's, that was my biggest challenge. And so I found the best way to go about that was um, thinking about every business case study, every business scenario that we deal with like a story mm-hmm. and developing uh, a method I call the ethical story map. And I help them become more aware of the ethical issues and de- identifying those ethical red flags and then developing um, the different rules and principles that can inform that. And, and so for me, that method is ultimately trying to get them to be more analytical, more thoughtful, more critical thinking about the stuff that really matters about their, their job and their career. Because those moments are gonna come and they're gonna define who you are, your character, your integrity, and, and they don't give you a lot of warning. Mm-hmm. And so we practice it quite a bit. We deal with different scenarios and we teach them uh, not only how to think about the, the rules that should be guiding their their thinking, uh, and, and, but but also sort of broadening the vocabulary that they're familiar with. And the idea is that even your coworkers that aren't members of the church, that aren't Christians, they they get it. They understand a lot of the most important fundamental values that we hold dear, and they share those values in many, many cases. And so you can create bridges to them if you're not just trying to think about it in terms of book, chapter, and verse, but you realize that God has revealed a lot of these basic truths to everybody in different ways. And so we look at what behavioral scientists have to say about ethical thinking. And we, we, we talk about moral intuitionism. And we talk about natural law. We talk about the, 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 the values that or the assumptions, the presuppositions behind all of the major ethical theories in business. The biggest one is utilitarianism, cost-benefit analysis. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the limitations of that. Well, creating, a, sort of expanding their vocabulary beyond what they might get in a Bible class to include the same uh, sources of, of knowledge that everybody in the workplace partakes in allows them to have those conversations in a more natural way and a less uh, creating less of a defensive posture 
and and I think it's it's helped them feel more comfortable um, having a conversation about stuff that matters in the workplace. So. Let me see if I'm understanding you right. So you're saying, let's say, if there's a principle here that's at stake, let's just use a basic one on honesty and integrity that comes up in the workplace, is that by using that principle and then sharing the idea that they hold that principle because of their faith, uh, and then that can be used as a conversation starter, and even the world often sees that desirous, and they can tie that back to their faith and use it as an evangelistic tool. Is that kind of where you're going? Yeah, I mean, I think that... Uh Evangelism is sort of um, further down the line, mm-hmm. but in that moment when you're trying to convince a boss not to do something that's that's dishonest, yes. right? And he has all the power. How do you influence it, right? And so what we practice is how to have a conversation. It's not, you know, ethics is not about for at least for our students. I don't have to spend a lot of time teaching them what the right thing to do. Yes, they know. It's how do you actually execute it in the workplace in a crisis situation in a high pressure situation where you're being told to to cut a few corners and you know that's not right and so we just practice having those conversations and developing techniques where they can sort of tell a story that resonates with the person because they can't just talk church of christ lingo yes or, or even you know bible can't start quoting Bible scriptures in the workplace. Yes. Instead, they've got to come at it with a more common language, and there's a lot of ways to do that, and we actually practice it. We'll, we'll, we'll have them create little plays where everybody plays different roles, and we practice talking uh, uh, through an issue with your boss and, or, or with a coworker and try to get him to see what the right thing to do is, and if he doesn't, then you escalate it to your boss. And, and eventually become a whistleblower if nobody listens and, and that kind of thing. And we think through all the moral implications at each step, but more importantly, how do you express it in a way that is optimized to, to help people do the right thing? Yeah. So you're not just coming across as a, as a legalistic, um, very literalist Bible person who doesn't see any other option. Yeah. So you're not just quoting Scripture and throwing it at them and then walking out the room, but you're saying, all right, let's talk about this and trying to help them understand your perspective and also um, trying to have the best interest of the business at heart, which is connected back to these key values and ethics. Is that, is that yeah, the idea? No, that's right. I, I, I do believe sometimes it, you have to sacrifice and it's not always going to pay to be, do the right thing. Yeah. Okay? I don't want to suggest that. But nine out of ten times, doing the right thing is going to be in the company's best interest as well. And so, um, you know, I've had several experiences in my employment experience where I've had to take a stand or draw a line in the sand and refuse to to do something that I thought would be wrong. And it's, you know, saved the company millions of dollars, Mm -hmm. actually. Um, You know, one particular stand that I took saved a company I was working for probably about $100 million. Mm. But I had a very senior... Officer in the company pressured me three times over about a year, year and a half period, to try to reverse my decision. And it took eight years for them to realize the value of me holding that line. Uh, it was even after I left uh, the company um, that that uh, the issue came to the surf came mm-hmm. to the surface. And because we'd done the right thing, we were in a better situation than a lot of the other big corporations that were involved in the same activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not always making money. It's, it may be, especially in this 
age today, you may be saving yourself a lawsuit in the future, right, by holding to these values and holding to, to things. That, that's what I have sort of pigeonholed my law practice. Uh, very early on, I was really interested in civil rights and in law school, and so when I first started practicing with a law firm that had every area of the law covered, they asked me, you know, what area do you want to go into? And I chose to do employment law focusing on discrimination and harassment and accommodating people with disabilities and I love that because it was such a, uh, a positive thing to, to proactively work with companies to develop training and policies and, and deal with problems the right way mm -hmm. and address the problems so it doesn't happen again and help shape that culture of that co company and I got I got more and more involved in that, and I found the best way for me to influence a company's culture is to go in-house. And so that's how I ended up going in-house, and I worked with three different companies, the last of which was FedEx, and then they, after the first half of my career at FedEx, I, I, I switched from employment discrimination issues to uh, more global bribery and corruption. But again, it was the same thing, trying to figure out how do I, across 218 countries, help FedEx maintain a very ethical culture. And I found that really rewarding because it required me, it, it presupposes all of the values that we as Christians hold to, right? Mm -hmm. And But how do you implement the value of respecting human beings because they're made the image of God? Well, it's by not discriminating and not harassing them, right? How do you uphold the value of honesty, mm -hmm. right? It's by not bribing the officials to do something the, the easy way. It's by holding the line, even if it means longer time, waiting times or, or, or disruptions to your operations because we don't, we don't engage in environment. Mm -hmm. Great stuff. So as, you, as you're thinking about leaders uh, carrying this into the workforce, encouraging them to have conversation, encouraging them to think through their story in a critical way and think about how they can bring the story of God into their workforce, uh, what's kind of the next step that, that you lead business students in? biggest areas, and this is one I've been thinking a lot about lately, is is if you're familiar with Abraham Kuyper, mm -hmm. and he, he had an idea about different spheres of life and how there's the home, there's mm -hmm. the workplace, there's the church, and that I think sometimes we get sort of tunnel vision when it comes to our spiritual life and thinking about doing good, we think about doing it all through the church. Yes. And so uh, whether it's you know, social justice or benevolence or whatever it is, we're thinking we got to get the church doing this. And I think that's just wrong. I think that's missing the point because the church has a, a job and it takes, we, we can't get distracted from that job, which is evangelism. We're mm -hmm. going to have an eternal consequence of our, of our efforts in the church. But as church members who have to go to a job eight to five, there is a tremendous opportunity in the workplace for you to do a lot of good. And you don't have to get the church to come up with some social program because you're probably working for a big company who engages in kind of community outreach. And as a, as a Christian, you can uh, get involved in that and lead in that way and, and help people um, outside of, uh, you know, making sure it's a ministry of the church. And I think that until we get there, we're never going to have the kind of efficiencies that we need as Christians in influencing the world. If we compartmentalize our life and think everything we do for God's glory has to be done through the church, then we're just not going to be able to accomplish much. Yes. But if we understand that 
every aspect of everything we do can glorify God and reverse that, then you start seeing the opportunities for you to get involved in doing good and providing ethical leadership where people will ask, why are you so different? Why why are you not doing that? Or why, why did you stand up to the boss on that? Mm-hmm. And that then it leads to a conversation that can introduce them to the church and the, the primary work of the gospel. So really you're talking about the idea that we need to be infiltrating the world I think Jesus called it be the salt and the light in the world. You know, we're supposed to be going out there, and it's not just in our organized religious ways that we do it through the church, but but rather we need to use our example and our our faith in these various opportunities we have in the workforce. Yes. So, and, and that's what we encourage Christians to do, and I think that's what Ephesians 4 is talking about, is that the leaders are to equip the church— for the work of ministry. And so everybody should be doing the work of ministry in their various spheres of influence. And so uh, do you have, <clears throat> have any other suggestions on ways that we can do that in the workforce? You mentioned uh, using the programs in the workforce, but what other ways would you suggest? Um, you know, maybe one of the things I've been thinking about a lot is vocational ministry mm-hmm. and understanding that a lot of the... Uh, we tend to get really comfortable in the Bible Belt in certain cities, and you can, you can go to certain counties in North Alabama and throw a rock and you're going to hit a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are a lot of, of our students that have the ability to uh, get employed elsewhere. And we, I really want to encourage them to get out of their comfort zone and, and go to Boston or go to New York or go to Chicago mm-hmm. or go to D.C. And uh, not because I want because I think that they can have a kind of leavening influence, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that we're missing those opportunities because we'll sit in these huge congregations with hundreds of people, so we've got an overabundance of, of, of people that are capable of, of working in the church, and we, don't, we just don't need all those hands there. Or some churches really will leverage it, mm-hmm. just do some amazing stuff. But I start thinking about how many uh, little churches outside of the Bible Belt are just struggling. And what a difference uh, you can make if you are in one of those other states. And I think it's incumbent on us as, as a university and other resources like polishing the pulpit or you know online resources to give them the resources that they need to be able to fill those roles. But I think I'd like to see more situations where someone takes a job in, in, a, in a big city where the church just isn't strong and there isn't a presence and gets involved with that small church and tries to roll up their sleeves and, and help them. And thinking about what you can do, especially after you've had two or three years to get your mm-hmm. feet on, on the ground as in your job, what you can do after hours in your, in your, mm-hmm. your, uh, with your church family. Yes, and even going there with several other families. And, you know, doing a church plant or a really building, edifying, building up of a smaller church, bringing in several families, and all working, supporting themselves, but doing that in a way that's very intentional, in an evangelistic, and an edifying way to the church. I found that my experience, I've never held a pulpit mm-hmm. until COVID-19 COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And right before, like the week before COVID hit, uh, big here in West Tennessee, um, I was hired to work with a little church uh, about 15 miles east of Henderson, Scotts Hill. 
and it's uh, it, it was something that I had never. I've always been involved in church as a deacon or a Bible school teacher or something like that, but I've never filled the pulpit and yeah. to preach a sermon every week, right? And it's been a great blessing for me, um, not just because it allowed me to develop my thinking across, you know, usually when I'm asked to speak somewhere, I'm trying to cram in every idea I've thought about for the last six months because who knows when the next time is, right? But now I've, I've got, I know I've got every week. To, mm -hmm. to develop my thinking and thoughts, and, and I've really enjoyed that. But what I've also found is there are real problems, and real spiritual problems, real difficulties that are facing these small churches, and these small churches are playing a vital role for people that can't get out of that community, are not able to, to drive to the big church you know, mm -hmm. half an hour away. Um, they are important to the, the community in the sense of being an influence on them and and still in being present in those little communities. And so I've really learned to appreciate the value of these small cool, uh, churches as well as the, 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 the needs mm -hmm. of those churches. And I, and I really hope that that'll make me more aware and sensitive to the fact that these small churches are vital yes. to the health of the church. And we often neglect, you mentioned big cities, we often neglect the big cities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, but, and those churches in the big cities that do exist are, are these kinds of they very are. small churches. So they have the same kinds of problems. They don't, they don't have enough qualified men to have an eldership, or, or they are dealing with, you know, just a tremendous amount of need mm -hmm. in terms of benevolence or financial need or whatever. And so there's, there's a, there is a, a definite need to meet, and there's a definite spiritual need, but there's also a broader need that if we really love our brothers and sisters, we want to reach out and help mm -hmm. them and not do what's the most entertaining option mm -hmm. for us and be a part of some big yes. megachurch. I love that idea, and I love the idea of, of thinking about uh, using your workplace as a example and witness for Christ, uh, no matter what kind of position you're in, whether that's you're a nurse, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a, a physician, or whether you're in some type of business at a bank, uh, and so that's and that. Even, even and, and you know, it's easy for us to think about the professionals and the leaders. The yes, management, but even those hourly blue collar. Workers, yes, they can make a huge impact with their because they're nobody's intimidated by them. They've got no dog in the hunt, so to speak, so it isn't like you're pressuring them. If they come in to work with a great attitude and a hard work ethic, and everybody's like, why are you so happy? Well, let me tell you. Yeah. Right? That, I mean, you don't underestimate the ability for anybody, whatever level they are in the organization, to be able to grow. And you're spending more time with those people than often you are anybody else. And they know, because the, the language in the workplace, especially in, you mentioned factory settings and things like that, is often very filthy. The jokes are very, you know, dirty, and so they see that light. They see that salt, and that they'll, they'll notice something's different about you. They notice, and then they also can see: <clears throat> Are you cheating on your time? Are you cheating with your the way you handle finances and things there with the business? And they notice those things. That's right. And, and one of the things I teach the students is is thinking about ethics like a ladder, mm -hmm. and and you start with whether it's legal, right? But that's the moral minimum. And mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, I'm a lawyer, and I'm telling you, that's not the end of the discussion. Just because it's legal doesn't mean you should do it. 
then you move to what most businesses focus on, which is the cost-benefit analysis, mm -hmm. the outcome, right? And does it work, right? And that's great, but it's got a lot of limitations. You can't foresee all the consequences mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. So then we get them to think about what their real moral duties and obligations are, right? Uh, from a Bible perspective or, or, or however you want to come at it. But at the end of the day, the top rung is about virtue. Mm -hmm. It's about internalizing it so that you're doing the right thing for the right reason. Uh, but as a guy named Kallenberg puts it, and your friends aren't surprised when you do it. Amen. I like that. You, you know, your character is what you are in the dark. And that's, that's this idea that you're going to be that kind of person whether the boss is looking or not. And that's what Paul teaches us about laborers in his epistles. Really good stuff, and we appreciate you bringing this so much into our curriculum. So as we kind of wrap this up and we think about um, to church leaders out there, to Christians who are in the workplace, what, what concepts or thoughts would you give that maybe we haven't covered or just kind of in summary or, or additional thoughts you have? I think the main thing I'd, I'd want to emphasize is just awareness. Being aware of when those opportunities arise to be that salt, to be yeah. that light. And, and part of that is being more ethically aware of the kinds of conflicts and dilemmas in the workplace and not being so uh, hardened to it mm -hmm. that you don't even pay attention to the fact that everybody, everybody does it. Mm -hmm. That's a rationalization. That doesn't yes. make it right. And, and so if you can just make your, find that space, right? A lot of us um, will move right past thinking about it and just do it, right? And they react. Mm -hmm. and, and find the space to be thoughtful enough to say, you know what, there's a red flag there. I need to think about this for a second. And ask your boss, say, can I, get, can I have some time to think about this? Because you, you should never feel the pressure to, to compromise. And if we can just become more aware, I think those opportunities are all around us mm -hmm. to make people think, wow, he's different. Yeah. What's different about him? And that's, that's the door. That's the window. That's the opportunity. To, to start talking to them. Yeah, that's First Peter 3.15. That's when they will then ask you about the reason for the hope that lies within you. And that's when you then can, can share your faith. And that's when you can, can point them to Jesus, which is ultimately that, that story that is driving all of us. Great stuff. I appreciate uh, you being on the, on the podcast and sharing things with our uh, community. Let me encourage our listeners uh, to share this podcast and with others, let me encourage you to rate it, and let me encourage you to reach out uh, to Freed Harmon University. If uh, Dr. Matt Vega and the business department, we, want, we encourage you to send our students here to, to, to get a different education than what they can get in a secular university. They can get a business degree with a Christian perspective, and we believe that that's very important. And so we encourage you to uh, reach out to Freed Harmon if we can help you. Reach out to the center if we can be assistance to your congregations and to the leadership challenges that you're facing. Until next time, we want to uh, say so long. The Fried Harmon Leadership Podcast. For more great content and to see the services the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership offers, your local congregation, please visit www.supportingspiritualleadership.com. Until next time, remember... God uses ordinary people to lead his people into extraordinary feats.